Hey, good morning and welcome to Cedar Valley. My name is Douglas. And I'm John. And we are here to get the service started this morning. Yeah, if this is your first time joining us, um, a special welcome to you. Um, we would love to get to know you better and be of any help we can. Um, so give a shout at hello at cedarvalley.ca or comment online right now. And if you're here in person, uh, see someone with a lanyard and they will assist you any way they can. Now, one of the best ways to stay informed about things going on in our community is by following us on Facebook, Instagram, signing up for our weekly email newsletter at cedarvalley.ca. If you would like a printed copy of the newsletter, just let us know. So in regards to giving, um, we are very, very thankful for your ongoing support for the work and ministry of Cedar Valley Church um, through time, prayers, um, service, and financial generosity. Um, it all goes to help make all of our weekly ministries, programs, and our overall connection to our community happen. Um, so if you'd like to contribute to the work of Cedar Valley Church, um, you can give at cedarvalley.ca slash give, or if you are on campus today, um, there are tables set up at the back. Yeah. All right, and thanks so much for that. A few things that we would like you to know. Shoeboxes, Operation Christmas Child Christmas Shoeboxes. We started handing those out last week, and um, these bring a smile of joy um, for a child at Christmas who maybe wouldn't get something special. So not only will they receive the cool things that you put in there, but also an opportunity to hear the story of Jesus, the greatest story of all. So shoe boxes are in the foyer at the church. Come get one and return it by November the 14th. Yeah, shoe boxes are great. I awesome, right? I've done them like every year and they're, yeah. Yeah, they're always, they're really, it's a really cool opportunity. And this is fun to make it as is to receive almost, yeah exactly yeah yeah win-win yeah. um yeah also today uh this sunday halloween it is, is. Yeah. um happy halloween um watch out for little ones um yeah but this is overall a great night to get to know your neighbors and overall community so yeah, have a good, safe Halloween. For sure, and we just want to encourage you to be a part of your community, your street, your neighborhood, and get to know your neighbors, become friends with them, and what a great time to do that. Also, just about every evening, there's something happening around the church here. If you're looking away for a way to be engaged, and uh, for a workshop, a support group, a service opportunity, there's a lot to choose from, and we'd love to chat with you to help you find your fit right here. Yeah, volunteering is great, so do it. Sure is. Um, yeah, we're going to get the service started here shortly, being led in a time of worship singing. Um, and there will be lyrics on screen, and we encourage you to join in however you most feel comfortable. And then right after that, Cedar Valley Kids, there's going to be a great little trick-or-treat lesson just for you. And parents, if you would like some activity pages to go along with our weekly lessons at home, just send me a note at douglas at cedarvalley.ca. Yeah, um, then Pastor Grant is bringing us a message in our Mission, Billy, Mission Vision, and Values series. Um, and today our theme is Transformation. How has God changed me in the last year? Wow, that's uh, that gets that's getting pretty personal, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a 
big question, but I, everyone can answer that. Ah, for sure. You know what? And, and I think we need to continue to ask ourselves those kinds mm -hmm. of questions, right? As our totally. faith grows. Well, let's take this time for prayer as we move on with the service this morning. Our God, we do thank you for this opportunity to gather in the auditorium here, the worship center, or in our homes, maybe on the deck, if it's warm enough, God, but you are here with us. Your presence is there. Um, thank you for the church that we can be a part of, um, that we can serve and learn and grow uh, together. God, thank you for today. That, um, And we do pray for the little ones that are going to be running up and down the streets for safety, for the children of our community here. And God, that we would find ways to just be a part of encouraging those around us and partnering with them in our community events. God, continue with us this morning throughout this service as we uh, hear the word from Pastor Grant. God, that our minds and our hearts would be open uh, to receiving what you have to say. Bless your servant as he's prepared and gives your word to us. God, then also may we take what you have to say and uh, do something with it for your honor and for your glory. Um, because of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, and just before we get into worship singing, um, a question. What when do you got you, for us this morning, John? Yeah. When you were a kid, what house on your street or sort of around your neighborhood gave out the best or the worst trick-or-treat candy? <laughs> and you know, it's likely it could have been years ago, but you probably still remember something like that. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, uh, for my last couple of years of trick-or-treating, I was always in like sort of the same group. And we would always like prepare to go to this one house because it was the full-size candy bars okay. and they, they would remember us and then we would usually sing a song for them and stuff. And that's that's just a part of great like community connection. Hey, yeah. fantastic. Awesome. Good question. Uh, let's talk about that and then we're going to head right into worship.
is Cedar Valley Kids. It is great to be with you again today. And of course, you know what day it is, right? You've been waiting for this all year. Well, at least some of you have. It's Sunday. How great is that? Yeah, I know. There's another day that's happened today, too. It's Halloween and it is trick or treat time. Now, have you ever thought about that? Going up to a door and saying trick or treat? Now, I'm sure most of you are expecting treats not tricks. But I've got a few little tricks here for you this morning and then we're going to talk about some treats. So the first one is I've got a, I've got a glass bottle here. It's an old Coke bottle and actually this is from Guatemala where they still put Coke in glass bottles. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get this marble into this bottle but in the way is a nice shiny nickel. So, there. Hmm, how's that going to work? So the nickel is on there. Get it right straight. And then put this over here. Okay, this is right here. Marble through the nickel into the bottle. Sweet. Look at that. See, I'm going to slowly take this off. Nickel is still here. Marble is in the bottom. And it's for real. How do you like that for a trick? Trick number one. Now, trick number two is, again, with marbles. And I've got a cup here. And see, just a regular styrofoam cup. And I'm going to make these marbles pass right through the cup. So let's give it a try. Let's see, see if I know what I'm doing here. So got my styrofoam cup, got my marble. Look at that, right through. Uh, let's see if I can see if I can do that again. Nothing inside. Let's see if we can make this go through here again. We've done it. Look at that. Aha. Now, now for my last one here, we've got a, we've got two plates, just regular plates, nothing on the front, nothing in the back, nothing inside, at least not yet. Nothing inside. Well, first of all, we're going to take this loony. And you know what? If you can figure out how I did this trick, maybe I will give you this loony. Send me an email. So we're going to put this right here in the plate, right here, right? And watch what happens when I dump it into this other plate, right? It's become two. I just doubled my money. How cool is that? Now, what happens if I take, I went from one to two. What happens if I pour this plate over in to this one here. And two to four. Not bad, eh? I like that. Doubled my money. And you know, one of the things, and these are all just simple little tricks. If you think you know how I did these, send me a note right now and let me know if you can figure it out. Trick or treat. I did some silly little tricks for you. 
But when we go to door, we want a treat. We want a whole bunch of treats. But this year, when you go to a door and maybe ask for some treats and you get some, and you go back home and over the next day and the next week and maybe sometimes three or four weeks, you still have some treats in your bag. When you take a treat and eat it, I want you to think of Luke chapter 6, verse 31, where it says, treat others the way you would like to be treated. That's right. It's a different kind of treat, not a candy type of treat. But when you have that candy treat, think, hmm, how is it that I like to be treated? I like it when people are, are kind and generous and helpful and say nice things to me. That's how I like to be treated. So I am going to treat other people like that, even people I don't know very well. So when you're having that treat, think of the way you can be a treat to other people. Treat them the way you would like to be treated. Luke 6, 31. All right, have a great day today and a fun time tonight. Be safe. We'll see you next week. Hey Cedar Valley, Pastor Grant here with a message for you this morning coming to you from the middle of my parental leave. Uh, I am here busy getting used to uh, dad life with a newborn, uh, less sleep, a lot more chores, a lot, a lot of laundry and really just a whole lot of change, a lot of transformation that me and Leslie are experiencing here and convenient because this morning I am bringing you some of my thoughts and a message on in our series on our kind of core values and stuff here on transformation, really on, on change. So let's get into it. Uh, question for you. I, I'm gonna ask you about superheroes, superhero stories. Who is your favorite superhero or maybe just any fictional character in general? like? But not just, you know, the side characters of whatever in any story, like main protagonist, maybe an antagonist, even like the supervillain, stuff like that. Who, who are your favorite icons in, in any story? If you're watching online, throw in the comments. If you are in person in the watch party, uh, just yell one out at the screen. Got a favorite? Give you a few seconds. So I remember growing up, having a few stories and kind of just whole worlds, kind of superhero worlds or whatever, sci-fi, stuff like that, that I just loved. Uh, I'm just gonna go into one, Star Wars. Really like the old school Star Wars stuff like that when I was growing up as a kid. And then as I got a bit older, I remember this thing happening where I got really, really intrigued because they started bringing out prequel movies. Now I know, controversial thing, if you hate the prequels, that's fine. I'm talking about just something different. So get over the Jar Jar Binks for a moment. Uh, the prequel movies, what was so cool is now suddenly seeing these characters that I knew about from these old movies. And you know, I thought it was so cool. They like lightsabers and the force and stuff. And now there's backstories to them. They had origin stories. It kind of gave them all this development of where they came from. And uh, it just made the whole world so much more intriguing, so much better. You saw a little bit of like the greater world of everything that they're part of. 
And this is actually really common for so many movies. It's why the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just raking in cash like crazy because they're taking every single character and then just, they're just bringing out more backstory and more origin stories. And then they take the side characters and give them origin stories as well. And people love that. It's super captivating. And it's because it's really relatable, right? Like we aren't just static people who start off somewhere. We've got all of our attributes and that's it. Flatline, linear, our whole lives we change and grow and transform throughout our lives. So the other thing too, when we see stories with character development, character growth like this, it's not only relatable, but it's also really impressive when you get to see where somebody has been and where they are now, where they've come from, what has changed them. And you start seeing all of their influences and their attributes and really all about that. You get some respect and admiration, even for the bad guys, you see what brought them there and you start to almost understand their worldview or story. And that's a popular trend in storytelling right now is getting you to sympathize with both sides of the story, the good and the bad. But character growth is essential to who we are. We are changing constantly. It's going somewhere. And we see it throughout the entire Bible as well. One commentator actually summed up the Bible as a collection of accounts of how God interacted with and changed people, uh, his people. But especially when you take a look through the Gospels in the New Testament, any of Jesus' disciples, where he, they started when they, he called them, they were fishermen, they were just workers, they were tax collectors, whatever, when they called them, when Jesus called them. And just the transition they went through being his disciples. Uh, some of my favorite ones, just to sum up, Peter, who was rash and impatient, making assumptions constantly. Like he was really fun to watch, interact with Jesus, just shouting out answers without a clue. And then he goes on now to write later on books and starting churches and planting churches and teaching them patience and peace and certainty about stuff. And just kind of like waiting until it's all collected. Huge character growth and development there. John, uh, aggressive, who's actually nicknamed one of the sons of thunder. He was condemning. He was the one who, when you know somebody got in Jesus's way, he just piped up and said, "Jesus, should we call down thunder and just like destroy these guys?" And Jesus said, "Chill, calm down a little bit." And then he goes on to write some letters to churches and some teaching practices all about withholding judgment and grace, and again some more patience. Um, so much stuff like this in the old testament it's all about character growth you get to you start off with seeing someone like like moses who's just uh he killed a man and he didn't have a clue what he's doing he ran away from everything because he wanted to deal with his problems and eventually goes to follow god's uh, commands and leads his people out of egypt over and over and over again we see character growth and it's important because change isn't uh just important it's not just necessary it's something that just happens constantly and if we aren't being intentional about how we are being changed we will be changing towards something that we don't really want to be so this morning we're talking about a core value of who we are as cedar valley church who we want to be uh in this fall series of core values taking a look at really what we are as a church what is our specific and unique identity as a community of followers of jesus here in mission bc uh, what drives us, what unites us, what guides our ministries and actions. And so this morning, the value is transformation. Uh, we want to be a church that is known about transformation and specifically how God has changed us in the last year. That's the question to ask yourself. How has God changed you in the last year? So I'm going to share some thoughts about that. Ooh. 
awesome quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, he is an author a long time ago, uh, Christian author who converted from atheism, but he wrote uh, concerning about this idea of becoming a disciple and what it is like for people to go through different changes. He said, it is hard for an egg to turn into a bird. In fact, it would be a jolly sight harder for that egg to learn how to fly while it's still remaining an egg. He's talking there about the fact that it's necessary to actually go through change. He says, it's a, quite a struggle for an egg to become a bird, but it is a needed thing to actually start growing, to actually be better and everything like that. And this is also just relating to the Bible. So in the book of Romans, written by the Apostle Paul, in chapter 2, uh, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't get changed by what this world just wants you to be like. Don't get manipulated into being linear and just plain and whatever, going stale, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, what he wants for you to do, what he wants you to be like in this life, in this world, uh, in your neighborhood, uh, in your place of work, in your families. So, Frankly, the ultimate evidence of what transformation, what being a church identified by transformation is actually going to be is uh, stuff like baptism, stuff like people coming to know who Jesus is, people publicly professing that Jesus has made an impact in their life, that they have accepted him as a savior, that they've chosen to follow him and have a real relationship with him. And, and baptism is that exactly. It's this amazing time where people just profess that they want something different. They want to go away from being conformed by the patterns of this world and actually have their minds renewed by Jesus. And a lot of that actually comes straight out of the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew being renewed in your mind. It's not just following a set of rules and religions. It's not like looking different on the outside. It is, in fact, actually having a complete change from the gut on the inside. A quote says, change is inevitable. You're always going to kind of be changing surface level a little bit. You know, you literally get older and you get wrinkles. Your hair starts to get a little thin on the top here. I'm trying to do a bit of a comb over to hide that. But transformation is a conscious choice you have to actually make. And you actually choose if you're going to be transformed into something good, guiding your life into something positive and wholesome, or you will be transformed or changed at least superficially into stuff that's negative. So actually continuing that C.S. Lewis quote about the egg, he goes on to say, you can't go on indefinitely just being an ordinary egg. It doesn't work. Uh, you have to either be hatched or you start to go rotten and bad. You go stale. So that is why specifically in our core value transformation, we've actually worded it to say, how has God changed you in the last year? Because we don't want to just focus on this one-time event in our lives that happens where you just get transformed, you have one change in your life, and you just stick on that, and you talk about it for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years about that one thing that happened in your life. We actually want this to be a regular thing where God is interacting in your life and constantly working with you. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about... Uh, some responses to this idea of transformation and being a community of believers that are identified by transformation because you might have there's probably two responses I'm thinking here that's happening for all of you who are listening you might be nodding along in agreement about God being constantly working your life saying yeah totally yep that's awesome that's great or you might be feeling a little lost like you don't see God at work all that often in your life so I want to encourage you both encourage that God is at work and that he can be at work in your life even more so. But I also want to challenge some of you too who might be listening that you might not actually be experiencing as much transformation in your life as you think. So, stale. 
you can get stale in this life and you can get stuck in a rut. It's not that surprising. You can get stuck into this place where there's just not a lot of things happening and that's because our world, really our culture, caters to that. That's what the world is trying to conform you into is just being this little blob that doesn't do a whole lot, isn't dynamic, isn't growing and adapting. And uh, it's because it's profitable for us to just stay in our comfort and be served by different things, like literally in our couches because you now have companies that deliver to your doorstep and they don't even like, you don't have to even get to the door sometimes. They have stuff that like opens up to the mail slot. That's fine. It's so easy now, but this world likes you to stay stuck. It doesn't want you to grow. It wants you to stay stuck and honestly in a lot of sin. Materialism with an addiction to shopping, consumerism, stuff like that's really good for business. So if you can just stay surfing the web, just shopping, getting more things to distract yourself, it likes that. Real estate loves it when you stay stuck in envy, wanting something bigger or better externally just to like live in so that you can compare yourself to your neighbors constantly who have the nicer yard or the greener grass or the more gables on the front of their house. Uh, they love it when you say stuck in doubt and stress or burnout, looking for coping mechanisms and addictions because those are really, really easy to sell to you. They're really, really easy to distract you with. But Jesus wants to redeem you from this. He wants to change you from those things. Um, and this is why it's a core value of our church because we don't want to just have an enticing strategy to have people come in and say, oh, this is really neat. We do lots of stuff and adapt. We actually want to be identified by people who are resisting the conformity of just getting stuck in a rut and constantly having God at work in our lives. That a year ago, we can say like, I'm so much better at this now. I've learned how to actually overcome these things. I've actually gotten over this addiction or I'm working on getting past these issues in my relationships or my marriage. We're actually trans being transformed by God constantly. And it's a biblical command too. So Romans chapter eight, verse 29, uh, Paul really sums up the entire like, goal of God at work in your life is to be conformed to the likeness of his son. He's saying to literally be more and more and more like Jesus, who represented like the perfect person, uh, hum humanity, what it can actually look like. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians 3.18, uh, he talks about too that we as Christians, you know, he calls them people or people who are following Jesus, who are going after that at least, uh, people who are, ref are reflecting the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. So it just keeps going. If you search for it, it keeps coming and coming and coming. It's great. He, God wants us to change towards Jesus. Sin keeps moving us away and away from what he designed us to be. It moves us away from Jesus, but God's love brings us back through those changes that happen regularly. And again, it's, it starts with a relationship with Jesus going after him, but it's not a one-time thing. It actually keeps happening over and over again. Now, as a person who works at a church, on behalf of the church, I'll apologize. We often fall into a trap where we actually get part of these worldly temptations to just create a religious experience that caters to your comfort, to your expectations. And, uh, it's, it's tempting because we just want to like sell a product almost. We almost want to just get people excited or enticed to just come into the door. And often we end up trying to change what the message of, the, of God is here. And we don't actually ask people to change for Jesus. You see the, the flip there? That's the thing that we often do. Now, here's the thing. So many of, I've had to check in with myself. So many of you might have been out there and uh, analyze and ask yourself, if you've actually just found that Christianity, this big world religion, 
fit your worldview when you came into it comfortably because uh, it shouldn't. In fact, when you go through the Gospels, not a single person who felt righteous in their own eyes was really agreeable with Jesus. In fact, actually, Jesus came in and demanded a change to follow him constantly. And the people who followed him were humble, saying, I don't know what's going on, Jesus. Give me something. Give me an expectation. So here's the thing. If you think you've made it, if you think you're there and you have no more needs to adapt or to change to, that's a red flag. That's why we have this as a value that to strive for as a church, that you're never going to quite be there. How have you grown from last year till now? One idea that's part of the church that has unfortunately been really toxic for the kingdom of God as a whole is this the work idea of retirement because that works really well in a culture where you work really hard probably too hard burning yourself out and you need this respite after the fact and once you hit a certain age you could take a break and you could focus on your family focus on passions and hobbies but now we literally hear responses in the church constantly when you ask people to get involved into mentorship or discipleship programs to help lead some Bible studies or to help walk along with people, younger people especially too, who are just coming to know Jesus. And you get responses saying like, oh, I've already done my time there. Now I'm just taking a break and some time back. You know, I'm kind of, I've finished that era of my life and now I'm in like spiritual retirement. And that's not compatible with the kingdom of God. That doesn't work. Uh, because here's the thing, and I need you to hear this, of uh, what is missed when you retire from being an active disciple maker and influencing people. Because what a teenager needs, who's going through a time of bullying, they need mentorship and guidance from somebody who's gone through that, who's triumphed through that. What a mid-30-year-old needs, who's just getting their family going, getting into their career and is facing stress and burden and weight and uh, depression and anxiety, all these things facing them. They need the guidance and mentorship of somebody who's older, who's gone through all of that. Somebody in their 50s who's being faced with temptations and opportunities for being unfaithful in their marriage or families. They need the guidance and testimony of somebody who has been through that. Do you kind of get the pattern here? You can't actually walk away from it because your experiences of how God has worked with you and changed you is important to bring other people along there as well. That's how God works through you. What the whole world needs is the testimony of how God has changed your life in the past year. So, what can you do to actively pursue getting changed by God? Another C.S. Lewis quote again, uh, just really into it this past week as I've been trying to collect a few thoughts on this on change, but uh, if you are actively seeking, if, if you're seeking God, he says here, when talking about the goodness of God, His love, God's truth, C.S. Lewis describes it like a fountain, that if you start moving near it, you can't help but get wet from it. Uh, if you want to get warm, get to the fire, right? So actually put yourself there. What God doesn't work well with is apathetically sitting back in the couch, sitting in a pew in church, waiting for something to happen. He actually wants to see you take the steps along with him, right? God has made the invitation. If you want to get warm, get near the fire. So, so you got to start moving there. Um, so get into the word regularly, start reading the Bible more, start praying fervently, like regularly be bringing things to God rather than trying to fix all your own issues so fast. So here's a few guidelines, a few points I just thought of that were just coming to my mind. I was thinking, especially in the era we're in right now, pandemic time as the world, uh, a few things you can do is number one, be slow to just make statements about what's up. Somebody asks a question, maybe it's a divisive topic and you've got your answer ready to go, fired off. Maybe be slow to speak about that. Don't speak right away. Start listening a little bit. Take some patience. 
pray to God, see what happens, see where the dialogue goes. Um, start checking your dialogue. What are your responses? Do you say a lot of stuff like, that's just who I am? Or I know it's a problem, but, and you start justifying and making excuses. I've always been like this. And instead you're not letting God actually get to work at things in your life, like jealousy, like envy, like bitterness, holding on to grudges against people, right? Do other people see changes in you? And do they ask why? Do they ask why there are changes happening in your life? Do they ask why you've started making different priorities with your time and your money and finances? Or is that not happening to you regularly? And finally, really, do you tell others about the way God has changed you in the past year? Do you uh, make opportunities for that to happen? There are sometimes external things that can bring about change in our lives. Uh, We'll just say it too, like a massive global pandemic um, that can just come happen and it can trigger stuff. But the problem is if you aren't actively starting out by seeking growth in God, uh, sometimes these external changes can actually just provoke backfiring and force you to change and dig in in other ways. But a uh, really cool thing that happened when the pandemic hit, when COVID-19 started off a, couple, a year and a half or almost two years ago, uh, organizations had to pivot and they had to change. Um, and some organizations all around, everything from churches to businesses, uh, were crushed by just the inability to move or pivot or change so quickly or what a, like in that moment, but became a catalyst to look really closely for us as a church at what God wants for us as a church and likely what he's been trying to change in us for quite some time. Uh, we learned as a church that we need to look different than just coming and gathering in a place one day a week on Sunday mornings. We need to be able to start using modern tools around us, just like when the printing press was invented. Now we're using the internet to communicate his will, uh, communicate the good news of Jesus. It's really fantastic. We've learned how to worship differently, and hopefully you've learned how to like worship in your living rooms, worship to maybe a video, or hopefully without a worship leader present at all, you've learned how to actually make that part of your life. You've hopefully learned how to pray without somebody guiding you through all of those words. You've hopefully learned how to open up this book without somebody reading it to you necessarily or got an audiobook or whatever it is, gotten into these stories. Maybe you're watching The Chosen online. Um, but here I will say this, if you find yourself now almost two years into this massive cultural shift still repeating that you can't wait until it's back to the way it used to be, that you need it to go back, that it, it gets there. You've got to really check to see that you're missing the way God has been trying to be at work in your life. You're missing those changes God's trying to do in your life this past year. So what we decided as a church is we wanted to start putting in some active, intentional disruptions or changes just to keep us out of ruts, keep us from going stale. And this is a thing that you can apply to your own life too. You actually have to put in things to interrupt routine, interrupt stuff that honestly can even start off being really good, but can eventually get you into such a routine you don't let changes or adaptations or you don't let God lead you away into something new happen. So uh, this morning, October 31st, is the fifth Sunday that we have had in this month. And what we chose to do, just as a staff and leadership here, is months that have five Sundays, uh, three or four of those happen a year. We want to intentionally disrupt what a Sunday morning church service looks like um, so that we don't get so used to and expecting what's supposed to happen. Um, 
what we're doing this morning is just it as we've learned how to do pre-recorded online watch party based service to give our amazing and overworked service teams a really good break and to kind of condense the service a little bit more and focus on it's October 31st it's Halloween so how can we get involved in what is going on in our neighborhoods all around town people are going to be out on the streets kids all around a whole bunch of different stuff so that's what this morning is gonna be a little bit about. We wanna send you off with the opportunity to think about how to uh, let God change you in this day, this evening, or how you can take some of the changes God has been working at, at work in your life and you can live it out. Um, so Bruxy Cavey, author out in Ontario, has a really cool uh, statement about Halloween specifically because this could be a fairly um, controversial, tense topic for Christians absolutely halloween has some has pagan roots at one point and it's now been fully co-opted by our culture to just be a big selling holiday with decorations and dress up and you buy lots and lots and lots and lots of candy and other stuff um, and it has this sense of darkness celebrating fear and spooky stuff in general but bruxy kb says here the true challenge or calling for a christian is to bring christ into everything immediately around us in everything we do to bring Christ into it. So we can either bring redemption into the things of this world, or we can bring rejection. And he says, far too often Christians bring rejection into things. We say, that's not right, I'm gonna remove it. That's not right, I'm gonna boycott it. That's not right, I'm gonna stay away from it. Instead, how can we bring rejection? How can we be the light of Christ in these things that we don't agree with, that bother us a little bit? How can we be a voice of relationship, of love, of grace and protection? So. A few things, a few cool opportunities you can do for Halloween this evening, church, and uh, we'll let you go after that. Uh, one of the things, so making sure that uh, you actually participate, possibly, that's one way. If you're, on a, if you're like the one dark house on a street that's fully lit up and there's kids knocking on every door and you're the dark house, maybe consider participating in some way. Uh, making sure their kids are safe on the street at night. If you've got the ability to just kind of walk around a little bit, just go for a walk. You can be praying, grab a nice cup of hot coffee, make sure kids are safe, that there's nothing crazy going on because people make a lot of silly decisions on Halloween night typically too. If you live in the Cedar Valley Manor, you live right beside Albert McMahon and Griner Park. Now, I don't recommend getting out into any dangerous situations at all. Stay safe, but uh, Griner Park, typically a big hub of excitement and bad choices and teens running around and the police trying to wrangle them in. Get praying for those teens that they stay safe. Pray for their safety that, you know, in a night of excitement and adrenaline and teenage hormonal bad decisions, people can lose fingers and thumbs pretty quick. People make bad decisions. Pray for that and pray for our police who are going to be working in full force tonight. Uh, if anything, even consider ways that you might be able to reach out and support to them, like pop down to the hall, maybe bring some, I don't know, donut sounds unfair and whatnot, but uh, support the community who is involved in this evening church. And uh, even lastly, what we're uh, suggesting for the church is to like up the game a little bit, rather than just candy and handing out some stuff like that, get some hot chocolate going, get some coffee, get some nice warm stuff happening and uh, be a specific, unique, part of people's lives on Halloween. If you get the opportunity, pray with somebody too. It's fantastic. I'm really eager for some more creative thoughts on this because it's fairly new to us too, getting actively involved in something like Halloween and bringing Christ's love into it. So spend some time, think about that, share some thoughts about how you can let God 
change your opinion, change your thoughts, change your reactions to things and start living out being Christ's light and something like Halloween, so simple, so practical. And that's what we're going to do this evening as a church, Cedar Valley. So it's going to wrap this up. It's just a whole slew of thoughts. Hopefully this helps get you the sense that we want to be a church identified by God being regularly chained at work in us, that we're changed, that we can say this is exactly what God has done within the last year. It's not something that happened 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's something that has happened immediately. We can almost say to a monthly and a weekly point where God is at work in us. So Cedar Valley, just pray with me and we'll end off there. God, thank you for the fact that you are not a static God. You are asking so much more of us. And you say things like you want us to be more and more like your son, Jesus. How crazy is that? What a massive task but you give us the tools you give us the opportunity you give us that relationship to actually be guided by to give us to actually grow with and god your spirit dwells within us to actually redeem parts of our life that we just can't seem to let go on our own god i just pray that you get us out of ruts if we have been stuck god if we can't actively say we've had you at work in our life in the last year or five years or ten years we can't identify the changes you've made in us You help us break free from that rut, God, and we start making huge steps forward, God. And I just pray that if any of us are thinking we've made it and we're there, you break that apart and give us some humility knowing that we absolutely need more of you. We need to look more like you every single day and year. God, I just pray that tonight for Halloween, that there's safety in our neighborhoods, God, that there's safety for the kids, God, that there is safety for the officers who are just out protecting Um, everybody and that is just a great night God give us some creativity for how to be your light in this uh, this event that's taking place God in Halloween that we can share your love share your grace and just be a smiling presence of who you are God I pray all these things in your name amen